The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. Okay, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. This is the show for you to learn about how to start and grow your own business. Now, there's a unique twist on today's show. It's not just about starting. This is actually a story we're going to tell a successful entrepreneur who's been in the community, grew up in the community, and did an interesting thing in acquiring a business, kind of a restart or a turnaround. We've got Tom Berman. The company is Nanomagic. Tom, welcome to Startup Nation Radio. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. It's good to have you on. Let's get right into it. You found this company that you know, I mean, first of all, you and, and your dad, Ron Berman, members yeah, of the community here. That's right. I know your dad. He, he's an amazing entrepreneur in his own right. You guys have run in some very interesting entrepreneurial circles here in Detroit, kind of right in the mix of it. And who found this company? Was it you, your dad? or, or Yeah, you... so I'm going to give credit to my dad. So we're going to go way back for a second. So interestingly enough, Nanomagic was the combination of two separate companies in 2014. There was a company called Nanofilm based out of Cleveland, Ohio, a nanotechnology company around since 1995, and another company based out of Austin, Texas called Applied Nanotech. Separate companies? Separate companies. Two separate companies doing two different things, both in the nanotechnology space, but different. So nanotechnology is just a real broad term that can be applied in, in a number of different ways, and the way in which these two separate companies were doing it were completely different. Okay. And nano, the term, just yep. really means just really, 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 really small. small. It's, it's chemistry yep. at the smallest molecular level. Got it. So right there, two different companies. Okay. Well, Applied Nanotech, based out of Austin, Texas, was a company identified that was a public company back mm. in the late 90s by my father, Ron Berman, and Dan Gilbert, his partner at the time. Okay. Uh, everybody's probably heard Dan Gilbert's name. If you haven't, you've been living under a rock. I That's suppose. for sure, man. He's the, he's the, he's the real king. He is today he, in the Detroit metro area and really worldwide, right, globally right, now right, too. So, right. Dan, in fact, he was my uh, he was my first boss. My very first job was for him when I was 16 years old. You know, I've talked to a few people who have had the experience. Not to get off the track too much, but this is interesting and it's on point because you're the leader of this company. We want to learn about what makes you suitable to be a good leader. And then we want to talk about what you've achieved, which is amazing. People who've worked for Dan, there's a really serious, hardcore work ethic embedded in those people. I'll tell you that. That's number one. Number two, Dan, through his own way of demonstrating how he thinks about business and entrepreneurship, and that seems to wear off on a lot of the people. And I I notice a commonality across entrepreneurs that come out of his companies. It's a powerful package of both the way to think about business and the way to outwork the competition. Incredible. There's no doubt about it. And and it ultimately gets ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. Uh, My dad and Dan were partners for 20 plus years together. In fact, they started Rock Financial together back in 1995 as right. partners. Right. And my dad and Dan, as partners, invested in a lot of different ventures, including Applied Nanotech one, in right, Austin, Texas. Right, right. Without getting into all of the history, it was a public company. Okay. They invested millions. They were on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And they had a 300 million market cap, in fact, at one time. Wow. But Technology, as we all know, innovate or die, they had technology that ultimately ended up leapfrogging them, and they lost 98% of their value. At some point in the 2000s, Gilbert ejected. He Mm. was busy doing some other things. My dad, he was also busy doing other things, but he remained on the board of directors. It was Uh more of like, hey, I'm going to join a quarterly board meeting every once in a while and just see, hey, where can this place go? Sure. So 2014 rolls around, and it's just kind of really not doing much. But this other successful company based in Cleveland, Ohio, Nanofilm, 
It was primarily doing liquid nanocoatings that apply to glass, porcelain, and ceramic surfaces, industrial applications. Think of any sort of touchscreen display or toilet to keep those substrates, those surfaces, cleaner, longer, easier to clean, scratch and abrasion resistant mm -hmm. to really enhance the performance of those materials. Okay. And that company, Strong, decided that it wanted to diversify, ultimately identify the company in Austin, Texas to merge, and they merged in 2014. In 2014 through 2018, they never really figured out a way to best integrate with one another mm. and just were unable to coordinate, collaborate, yep. and ultimately they outsourced management, they outsourced manufacturing, mm. they just made a lot of poor business decisions and ultimately yeah. the business fell apart. Okay. So 2018 rolls around, my dad, he survived the merger in 2014, remained on the board of directors, but it wasn't until probably the spring of 2018 where he was on a board call and they said, we're done. He said, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean we're done? I and just... so when they say we're done, who said we're done? So Company management? Company management right. okay. to the board. I got it. In effect saying we're- This is a we're, mess. We're not going we're, anywhere. Working yeah. capital is dried yeah. up. Yep. And we're incapable of continuing to operate business without some sort of investment into the business. Not only operating capital dried up, revenues were not there to support the business operations. And there was a lot of debt on the books at that point. That's People right. People were knocking on the doors. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Okay. So that's where you then, your dad made you aware of this and probably had a conversation with you that I'm going to guess went something like, hey, I've got something interesting to put in front of you, right? That's, that's actually- it, Is yes. that? Is that's, that? That's exactly how it went down. Wow. And it was interesting- almost serendipitous type of timing because just prior to that, I had left the organization I was previously with for seven or eight years, helping build and grow. And I had stepped away from that organization and I yeah. told them, hey, it's been fun helping parent your child. It's time for me to have my own baby. Wow. And I was actually working on a startup that I was really excited about. And my dad tapped me on the shoulder, identified this opportunity. He said with some TLC, you know, which means some a cash infusion yep. and the right quarterback, I right. think we can do something special here and turn this business around. Would you be interested in partnering? All right. Now, we want to hear what your reaction was. We want to hear your perspective when you first looked at the opportunity and then how you created a plan, you know, to turn it around. It's, it's very interesting. There's a different cut at how you can get into business and, and make something work for yourself. And we're going to learn from one of the guys who's making that happen for himself and his shareholders when we return right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. Right, welcome back. Startup Nation Radio. Really interesting story today. We're talking about an entrepreneur who has found uh, actually a couple of companies that were merging and trying to make it work together, weren't making that work at all, found themselves in some deep water and trouble and, uh, and either were really facing closing up shop or finding an infusion of new investment and new leadership and all those other things. And along comes Ron Berman, and he comes to his son, Tom Berman, and says, Tom, you're coming off a great experience making money for somebody else right now. You're doing a great job for this other company. That was a mattress company, right, Tom? Yeah, it was yeah. Reverie. Reverie uh -huh. was a sleep technology company based here in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, Detroit metro area. Yep. And they primarily were a manufacturer, wholesaler, and retailer of adjustable beds and mattresses. What was your role at that company? So I'm an attorney by education. Right. Had a law practice for about a decade. 
did some entrepreneurial things while in my practice and ultimately ended up leaving the practice and joining back to Dan Gilbert. He's been a mentor and a role Everything model. Everything comes back to Dan Gilbert around here. <laughs> Everything. So I had lunch with Dan and this was around 2011. It was the time that he was starting Bedrock Detroit and had just moved his team down to the Copyware building yep. and had just acquired the Madison building, First National building and Dime building now known as I think the Chrysler house. Right. So Dan and I, we were talking and I was thinking about doing something different and not continuing to build my law practice, which any attorneys listening, you can only build so many hours in a day. So you can either be content with that. You can build a practice and start to rain make and bring other attorneys in to help support your business, or you can do something differently. Yeah. Yeah. You had the entrepreneurship in your DNA for I've, sure. I've always had that Surrounded spirit. by your dad, Dan, yep, exactly others. You had no right. choice. No choice. <laughs> you had no choice. No choice. Right? So Dan told me practicing law is probably not for any sane person. And most people don't realize Dan's actually an attorney. I knew never, that. Yeah. never a practicing right. attorney. Right, right. But nevertheless, Dan offered me an opportunity to join uh, Bedrock. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was part of the strategic revitalization team, came on as the initial general counsel. But at the same time, I told Dan, look, before I shut down my law practice, I don't want you to hand me anything. I want to be able to earn it. You try me. I try you. Let's do this for a six-month run. He introduced me to Jim Kitai, who was the then managing partner right. of Bedrock, right. and we decided we were going to see how it went. Six months goes by. It felt really good. We were negotiating an opportunity for me to now shut down my law practice. We liked each other. We wanted to move forward. Yeah. And then clients of mine, who are actually friends of mine, we went to Detroit Country Day School together. I was their outside general counsel for Reverie at the time, and I told them I was going to be doing this Gilbert thing, and they said, hey, what about potentially joining us? They were primarily a private label manufacturer for Tempur-Pedic, and they yeah. were manufacturing overseas, and they had a small operation in Buffalo, New York, but they were a very successful business, a $100 million company at the time, but they had a lot of their eggs in the Tempur-Pedic private label mm -hmm, business. Mm -hmm. So they said, hey, what about joining us? So I felt like that was the right opportunity for me to help my friends grow their company and shift their strategy. Ultimately, it was my responsibility to help build their brand and ultimately control their company's destiny. Yep. And we started a direct-to-consumer business and ultimately started selling our brand direct-to-consumer and through wholesale and retail partners like the Art Bands of the World. So I told Dan and Jimmy Kitai, thanks but no thanks. It's wow. been a great opportunity. Wow. Really hard one to say no to, but I, I ended say, up- that's a tough call. I ended yeah. up leaving and, and joining yeah. Reverie and I did that for about seven years and yeah. ripped a lot of the pages out of the Quicken Loans playbook. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the great things, one of the passions I ultimately ended up uh, developing was for culture. And uh, huge for Dan, you know, yeah. really being able to attract talent, yeah. develop that talent, retain talent. I believe great companies are great because of the great people that work there. Yep. And that's something that I was very proud of us being able to accomplish at Reverie, where we were ultimately named Crane's Cool Places to Work, Detroit yeah. Free Press top companies to work for, right. you know, best and brightest in the country. And I'll bet what that, you know, for me, I mean, you gained some knowledge and some experience working for that other company. But I think you probably, guessing now, knowing you the little bit that I do, you probably also, that's where you gained a lot of confidence that I can do this. That's you, right. you, at that point, you could see that you were a difference maker, right? Yeah, I absolutely felt that way. You, you felt know, that way. Reverie allowed me to cut my teeth in actually helping build and grow a business with Barton Rousmehan, the CEO there. Yep. Learned a lot from him yep. and really gave me the confidence that I was yeah. able to do this on my right. own someday. So there you were buoyed by that confidence and looking around for maybe an opportunity of your own. I think you had mentioned that you had made a change there. I had made that You'd change. You'd left that company. I had left that company. And you were yep. said, it's time for me to do it for myself. Correct. And I felt really good about the startup idea that I had. 
Mm-hmm. And I was starting to put the pieces in place. But like everybody's probably seen the TV show with Marcus Lemonis, the prophet. Sure. He goes in and yeah. with his expertise and his team, he's able to turn around businesses. So yep. you don't have to just start a company. Right. You that's can a, add value in helping yes. create new value for an existing business. And, that's and that's kind of the easiest kind of reference point in what we're accomplishing and, yeah. and working on here with Nanomagic. So your dad walks in and says, look, got an opportunity for you. Here yeah. it is. That's what he said. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. I said, sounds nasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He said, look, just. I can totally picture your dad too. <laughs> I mean, I've had some opportunity to do some business with your dad, love him and respect him. And, and, and you know, he, he's one of a kind. He's something else. I can totally see it. All right. So I tell him it sounds nasty. He yeah. says, look, Without challenges, you don't have opportunity. Yeah, it's if, true. If it right. was in good shape it and it be, looked good, right. they wouldn't be in need for a turnaround. Of course. So he said, there's an opportunity, a unique opportunity, and, and here's what I think is unique about it. It was a one strong company that was ultimately just mismanaged, yeah. and they ultimately didn't realize the true value, even when they were doing well. Yeah. He didn't think, based on their product portfolio, some of their customer portfolio, he just felt like there was an opportunity to not only get them back to where they once were, but to just be much better than they had ever achieved in their history. Mm. And he said, trust me, I've done mm. this a lot. I feel like we can do it, and I feel like you're the right guy to do it. Now, of course, the cool thing is it's your dad telling you, trust me, your dad's going to always look out for you. I know how proud he is of you and what you're accomplishing. So there was a basis of trust there. When your dad says to you, trust me, I got something good here, you got to listen to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I obviously felt a lot more confident with being able to partner with him and, and have yeah. his confidence. But he would have never done this deal. If he was sitting here today yeah. with us, Yeah. he would have never done this deal without me. So let me ask you this question. So Marcus Limonis, when he goes in, that was a good example. When he goes in, he comes in not only with his expertise, but he also writes a check. So in this case, your dad, is he's walking in, he's got this idea for you. Was he walking in with a check? He didn't. But he did say both of us need to put our money where our mouth is, but we're going to be cautious because you never know what you're getting into until you get underneath the hood. Sure. So for anybody that's listening, I'm not a big poker player, but I Mm -hmm. like to dabble in, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe some Texas Hold'em. The way that I like to describe it is Uh we decided that we were going to put the little blind in and we were going to see how the cards were being dealt, feel the table and ultimately decide, do we fold? And in this instance, we felt like a fold was still getting our money back, that there were still assets there that we could ultimately liquidate sure. and not lose our money, unlike a, so on, we, on the table. So no real risk. Right. Even we, that's a win. Yep. We felt like there was yep. limited risk, yep. but to really dig deep, get under the hood, figure it out, and ultimately decide if we wanted to push all in, okay. which two years later, we did. You did. But so it you, didn't take two years. I'm so just, you got in, and what did you see? I mean, you know, the, the key to a turnaround and uh, what Marcus Lemonis does and others who do this kind of thing you got to be able to look at the pieces, the ingredients, the raw ingredients that you've got there, and you've got to say, what can I make out of this? And it either is, you know, can I create efficiency, or maybe it's all of the above, but can I create efficiency? Can I create new product lines or new products from the core technology? But you got to have a vision for how you're going to turn it around and what the keys to the turnaround are. What did you see? So, believe it or not, as difficult as a turnaround is, in many instances, it's easier than a startup. And the startup, in fact, that I was thinking about launching, there's no guarantee that it works. 
there's no proven model that the market is going to ultimately accept what you're selling, whether it's a good or a service. Okay. And lots of startups take a whole lot of capital and infrastructure that needs to ultimately be put in place before maybe you can even start selling. Absolutely. Look, look at all these pre-revenue companies. Right, right, right of course. So yeah. we saw an opportunity with this turnaround to where we could acquire assets for substantially less than if you were starting from scratch. So manufacturing equipment, inventory, know-how, intellectual right, property, right, people, right, right personnel, right. and being able to acquire that at, in effect, a 90% discount yeah. or less. Yeah, now, all those assets are only worth something, whether 90% discounted or not. They're only worth something if they're plugged into a really interesting vision, how uh, you're going to use them to achieve a vision. What was that? Great question. So there was a strong business model at one time we felt like they were honed in and narrowed their focus on one sales vertical and one channel when they had a wide breadth of their product portfolio and multi-channel opportunities in both B2B and ultimately direct to consumer. And right, they we want to hear, we yes. want to hear the detail. I'm going to run to a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to pick it up right there, Tom. We're hanging on every word. We want to hear about this vision and what you did to set out a business plan to take this company in a positive direction using the assets you guys acquired and using, I believe you raised money, investor money, to support that vision and to help you execute it, okay? We're going to hear how you did that. You're going to tell us, and we're going to know how to do it for ourselves when we go out and find a great opportunity. All right, we're going to come back after this break, hear more from Tom Berman and more about Nanomagic. Stick with us. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Really, really cool story. This is a story, again, of you know someone who went out and found an existing company and had the right vision for it, found the right resources to make that vision go. Tom Berman, you've created a company, Nanomagic, out of a couple of companies that tried to merge, were failing. You picked up the pieces, bought some assets, had a vision. We promised the audience we'd talk about that vision. What was it? You got to have the right vision. What was it? Another great question, Jeff. That's why you're in that seat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after 20 years of doing it. Plus, you know what? I'm interested. I'm genuinely, I want to, I'm, I'm hanging, I'm on the edge of my seat. It's a cool story. Yeah, Jeff. So this company based in Cleveland, Ohio, again, we identified its product portfolio. And what we really believed was that we could create a brand. That was something I've always dreamed of. And one of the interesting reasons why we felt really good about this opportunity is because when you take a look at some of the consumer product application opportunities in lens cleaning, in anti-fog solutions, in screen cleaning, in some household and automotive categories, in those respective categories, there isn't a single brand that's known in any of them or all of them. All right, this is what I love. Now we're getting to the vision here. So let me break this down, make sure I've got this. These other companies had expertise, know-how, maybe trade secrets, whatever. They had a unique ability to produce products. Your vision was based on creating a line of consumer products from that capability, let's call it loosely, that the company had possessed. And you were going to build a brand to put on these products and get it into retail? Correct. Uh, okay, so you're going to go consumer now. Were they consumer before or was it more B2B? Yeah, so what they did was they had these industrial nano coatings that they could apply and they had customers. I mean, even the term industrial. Yeah, nano so they, they had customers like toilet manufacturers, exactly. glass manufacturers. However, they never really ended up building that business the way in which it could have been. So instead, what they did was they got one customer and they started doing private label manufacturing for that one customer and they got real content mm. with that one customer. Always so dangerous. they had the majority of their eggs in that basket. Right, right. And 
And now they did build some credibility in that space and they were able to acquire other customers. But again, private label. And when you're doing private label manufacturing for another brand, you are ultimately beholden to them. They can drive down costs. They can squeeze your margin. They can ultimately end up buying from a competitor of yours for a dollar less or a penny less or make it themselves potentially depending on what they're making or not making. So you are going to go consumer now. In order to ultimately control your own destiny, we felt like we needed to build a brand, and we felt the best way to build a brand was to go direct consumer. To do that through e-commerce, a digital social strategy, as well as through selling wholesale to retail partners to get it on the shelves with the end consumer being the consumer. Right. So the former name of the company, it was the two companies was Nanofilm and huh. Apply Nanotech. They merged together, created a company called Pen Inc. P-E-N was an acronym for Products Enabled by Nanotechnology. Okay. That certainly is not a consumer brand. Not a consumer brand. And and not only was it not a consumer brand, but it ultimately ended up tarnishing its name and its reputation through this mismanagement post-integration or Mm. post-merger from 14 to 2018. So I felt like we needed to create a new identity, both from a company perspective as well as from a brand perspective. And that's okay. where Nanomagic was born. Okay, so you're going to go consumer. You've got this brand, and you are going to go e-commerce. That means you're going to sell over your website, or where is this going to be available to the public? That's right. So nanomagic.com, we're going to put together a strategy to drive traffic to the site and ultimately be able to support consumer demand. And then there's also a lot of incredible marketplaces like amazon.com, right. walmart.com, right. Uh, open up a shop. serves yep. a similar type yep. of, of marketplace opportunity. Okay, great. So you've got... Now the vision, you've got a product line you guys have come up with. You've got your brand, got your channel, your channels, e-commerce, but, you know, through various, you know, a platform, uh, you're going to be on platform at Amazon and others and also on your own website. You're going to sell direct to consumer. That draws on the experience you had at the mattress company previously. So you bring some experience there. That's right. All right. Cool vision. Was it yours? That's my vision, and that's that's something that I was very passionate about and that I was fortunately given an opportunity at Reverie where they, in effect, helped fund and support the vision to build a brand. And we did some really cool things at Reverie, and I wanted to do that again here. It sounds real easy. It isn't so easy to say, okay, let's. uh, how do we come up with the name Nanomagic? Literally countless hours, hundreds of hours taking a look at trademarks, other products, other company names, how we could ultimately create a name that made sense and was protected. And it's not as if we were just in the mattress category or just selling a I got to say, I love the name. I don't know about the 100 hours or if it was just a stroke of genius or if you're a good friend and shareholder, Rick Kovacs, who's great at branding, if he came up with a name or what. But listen, here, I got to tell you why I love the name. I love the name because, first of all, Nano tells kind of what the science or the the magic behind the products really is. It's nano, right? Small, small, small. I'll I'll help you. Our tagline. Our tagline (laughs) is actually powered by science. Oh. Works like magic. Oh my God. There we go. Beautiful. I love it. So nano magic. And then I love the magic thing. You talk about a consumer brand. Anytime you can put the word magic describing what the thing is, it's great. Beautiful brand, beautiful tagline. And it also sounds like something I might see on TV. You know, it's got that ring to it. I'll see it in the aisles someday. Nano Magic brand at, at the retail. It and, really works. And, and you look out for the purple color. So that was a big exercise and effort that we took on is how do we appeal to somebody and attract to really kind of the boring white, blue, black that was historically being done in this like science Right. Heavy right. nanotechnology it was, it was, space. Look, you used the term industrial before. You know, I got it as soon as you said that. Industrial nanotechnology, right? 
Yep. Hello. That, that's right. I'm out of here. That's yeah. right. So but, right. an easy way to describe nanotechnology is we said, look, it's powered by science. It works like magic. Beautiful. Now, look, I know that you've taken the helm here. You were the guy. You were in the hot seat. We've got a caller calling in right now that's going to you know, add some color to all of this. It happens to be, of all people, your dad. Ron Berman is calling in, checking in. Ron, hey, welcome. It's a, it's a great treat to have you on. It's good to hear from you, Ron. Good to talk to you, Jeff. Should I mention that you and I go way back? Sure, of course. Of course you should mention that. I already did. I don't. We may have, we may not have the greatest connection. I'm actually driving in my car, but I felt compelled to call in. And I wanted to say hello and first mention that I think it's been almost 30 years. I think I was one of the first investors in your first venture fund that you did. You're absolutely right. You were indeed. And I've got fond memories of a lot of things and uh, times that we had together way back. And, you know, your son has taken the helm of this company, told us about how how he uh, was presented with this opportunity by you. I asked him, where did the vision come? You can't turn around a company if you don't have a great vision. Now, he took the credit. You got an impressive kid there, by the way, Ron. I know you've invested and others in, in your circles now have invested on Tom's vision. How did that all play out from your perspective? Is Tom in this seat because he's your son? How did this come to happen? There's a couple of facets to this. First of all, this company, I heard him speaking about the merger of two companies one of which I was on the board of directors for approximately 25 years. And I initially invested in applied nanotechnology back in the mid-90s and invested a substantial amount of money and watched the value deteriorate over the years. And as a board member, sometimes there's not a lot of transparency in your, your feds, you know, what they want to tell you, the management. And it got to the point where this company became so mismanaged post-merger that it was basically on its deathbed. And at that point, I told the other board members, I have no desire to help this company, whether it be my own funding or bringing other people's money in, unless we had the quarterback to run the show. We had poor management. And at that time, I finally realized that my son, who had developed an incredible skill set over the years, would be the perfect person, but he was thinking about starting his own startup company. Mm -hmm. And I basically convinced him that there really is an opportunity here. I think it certainly turned out to be much more work than any of us anticipated. As you start digging deeper and peeling back the layers and realizing there's the skeletons and the legacy issues and legacy debt was much greater than we had anticipated. But no, this was not like, hey, son, I got an opportunity for you. This is the guy who really needs to do it. And I was very fortunate to get him to do it. I try to be objective as a father, and I watched Tom develop over the years as being a, an attorney and being successful in politics and charity work, and then in the corporate environment, and I just thought he'd be the perfect person, and when he agreed to do it, I was, I was thrilled, and I said, we can be partners, but of course, I knew he wanted to move this company to Michigan, and that's where his family is, and I'm in Florida. It was very difficult for me to do this. Yeah. So he was the only one that I felt confident in doing this venture, and he's done an incredible job. And now that the facility has moved to Michigan and it's so exciting and starting to take off that I felt left out in Florida, that I'm actually coming up to Michigan every other week and trying to help as much as I can and be part of it because I felt left out. You know, there's nothing more exciting than that. I mean, first of all, dad makes a bet on his son. You know, son makes a bet on his dad's hunch that this is a good thing for you to be doing. And here it is. You're in year three, you guys. October 2018 is when we started. All right. I'm going to run to a quick break. We're going to come right back. Now we want to, I want to hear how it's going. So you'll tell us where you are now. This story is so interesting. And, you know, so many of us really don't know how that world of the guys like Marcus Lemonis on The Prophet and others, you mentioned him, 
you know, we don't know how that all works. And so few of us ever think of even doing that, but it's a real opportunity for others to kind of follow your lead and go out there and find a great opportunity that's going to go down otherwise and pick it up, pick up the pieces. I know a few other guys doing this and it's a really exciting thing to be part of. And you guys are meeting with great success. We want to hear about what you've done, what you've accomplished. Was the vision right? Was your son the right pick? We're going to hear all about that right after this break on Startup Nation Radio. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. What a cool story. We've got Tom Berman here. He's the CEO and the guy running, leading a really cool company, now based in Detroit, very purposefully, with lots of intention, based here in Detroit, wanting to be a Michigan company, being part of the Michigan business community. Tom Berman is here, and, and his dad who called in, he was the guy that uh, brought the opportunity to you. And Ron, it sounds like you're happy with the choice of putting your son in that spot. I couldn't be happier. Uh, I knew it was going to be a difficult task. I knew Tom was the guy for the job, and it's been wonderful watching the progression over the last two years, watching this company go from barely having a pulse to full stabilization and now explosive growth ahead, which is what's anticipated for this year. Couldn't be more exciting. Hey, listen, we love that you called in. That's really fun. That's really cool. It's great to get your perspective. It is Tom's show, however, today. (laughs) So, Ron, I'm going to let you go. Yes, it is. I, I'm going to let you go. Right, We're going to well, pick it back up. You, yeah. Hey, great to reconnect with you. I'm so glad you called in. That was fun. All right. So we heard from your dad, Ron. Sounds like uh, you got a vote of confidence there. Yeah. You know what? You know, you asked about vision. Yeah. And initially it was my dad's vision. It yeah. was not mine. Yeah. yeah. My dad brought me this opportunity and convinced me that this was an opportunity that could reap reward. Yeah. And he felt like, although I was really excited about my startup, he felt like there was a better opportunity faster to realize the type of success that I wanted to achieve in building something. That's what's always been most important to me, like feeling about like building something special. To me, it's about winning. I'm a very competitive person. Mm -hmm. Like the money, the numbers, and you've heard probably Gilbert say this a lot Mm -hmm. if if people are familiar with his isms, but like I actually do believe Mm -hmm. that the numbers follow Mm -hmm. if you ultimately achieve The numbers follow what? The work. The work. The you've work. got to execute. Execution. you got to execute. And you're the guy. I was just, that's perfect. That teased me up perfectly for where I want to go next. So here, you've got the vision. You've got these assets. You've got the brand. You're going to take it to market, to you know consumer marketplace with this great brand now. And you've got good science to build on, to create these products from. you got to execute. It's all about execution. And i got to give credit to our investors. We have a great collection, a good group of guys Many of them very prominent here in the Detroit metro area, some from around the country, but the majority of them here in the Detroit metro area that either know me personally, know my dad personally, or have some sort of connection to our family and friends. And some of them early on, two years ago in October 2018, when this was very risky, when we were in effect performing triage on the battlefield with a patient that was bleeding out that we didn't know if we could resuscitate and actually yeah. bring back to life, Man. our investors believed in us and they believed in our vision. But most importantly, they believed in me being really the jockey, yep. you know, leading this. Yeah, and let me talk about I, that. I feel very grateful for that. I'm glad you recognize them. And rightfully so, you know, we call those investors as wealthy individuals who invest in companies, angels, and they're called angels for a reason. It's because they buy into your vision, they bet on the jockey, they believe in you, they support you, they want to be behind you, and they can bring, beyond money, they can bring connections, smarts, facilitation in various ways. That's that's a great point, Jeff, because that's one of the things that we have intentionally done here with our investment 
is that we prefer to have a collective group of people that could add strategic value as opposed to just writing a check. Yeah, yeah. We didn't want just one person to write a check. Instead, we felt like we could bring in a group of guys that have different connections, different ideas. I believe that our three brains in this room are better than just one, right? Mm -hmm. Our six eyeballs are better than two. So mm -hmm. with this group of guys and girls, right, our angels, yep. very important to the success of our business. Yeah, absolutely. So here we were talking about the key is execution. We talked about how you had the resources, the financial resources through your angel network to support that vision and to support your ability to execute. How is it working? Tell us what you say. You know, we started with a vision. Tell us how it's playing out. So it was a very painful two years in many ways. We've been clawing our way out of the grave in debt, bank debt, accounts payable debt, obsolete, broken, antiquated yeah. system software. And that came with the, I'll use the term loosely, with the acquisition. Correct. Uh, that correct. came with it. That correct. wasn't created. No, no, no. Right. That was legacy that came with debt. It, but you got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. part of the mess. We, we, we acquired the assets. Territory. We also yeah. acquired exactly. liabilities. Exactly. Comes with the territory. So I believe that when you're ultimately on the mountaintop, that that journey, that difficult journey makes it that much sweeter when you win. And, yeah, you know, that cool. comes back from, you know, just me being competitive and mm -hmm. athletic in my past. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think anything that comes easy is worth that much. It's not that rewarding. Look, you, you, right. coming from where you came from with this, it looks like you're winning. We're well, going to hear about that. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? If it was easy, there's a lot of ways to say this, but that's exactly right. And here you are on your way. I can tell you're energized by how this is going now. You're working your way yeah, out so of the we, problem. Yeah, so we've and, been executing. And, yep. I, I traveled. Yep. I've, I've sacrificed for this company over the last two years, and even with my family. I traveled to Cleveland Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday every single week for the last two years. And we got to the point where we say we had this angel investor money. Yeah. In the whole scheme of things, we actually have brought in a pretty nominal amount of money. Mm -hmm. And we've made remarkable progress with really just a little bit amount of money yeah. with you know that execution that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, the background that I think I bring to the table, having been an attorney and negotiating debt and being able to do some of the strategic initiatives that we've deployed to really push forward yeah. has helped us achieve success faster without unlimited pocketbook. We've been doing it with limited resources and we've been doing it smart yeah. and we've really been spending our money, yeah. you know, getting the best bang for our buck. So when you get into all this, you thought it was going to be a big success or you wouldn't have done it or you thought it could be or we should be. We saw the potential. Uh, you saw the potential. We had to execute. And how are you feeling today a couple of years later? You're, yeah, and I know it's been messy, but here I've, you are. I've never felt better. There we go. Day one, my dad had to convince me to take on this yep. opportunity. Yeah. It wasn't until we started to get under the hood that I realized how bad it really was. Yeah. But again, we still saw that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And we've put a tremendous amount of effort into this thing. And I've never felt better about where we are today. And I really believe that we're on the cusp of doing something really special. And in order to take it to the next level, I think we've talked about it being in Cleveland. We're now here in Michigan. Yeah. And that's not out of just convenience because I'm from here. It was actually very important to me mm -hmm. and our investors mm -hmm. that we bring jobs and manufacturing to yep. the Detroit area. It's great. Our brand, right? I have that kind of Detroit versus everybody chip on my shoulder like I think a lot of the Detroiters do here. And I think that helps and has helped a, a lot of other brands. You know, Shinola as an example, yep. I think they were yep. able to leverage that really well. And that's yep. something that we want to do. It's important for us to manufacturing the USA here in the Detroit metro area, put people to work 
and fortunately, we've been very successful over this pandemic when a lot of other businesses haven't been yeah. able to achieve that type of success. Well, it's incredible. And here you are. I can see it when I asked you, how's it going? You slammed your finger on the desk and said, I've never felt better. And, you know, really, I, I felt that when you said it. Ken says it all right there. Now, we've got about a minute left. Tell us briefly, where's this all going? What's the end game for you? Endgame is we want to be a global recognized brand, and we're already on our way to doing so. So nanomagic.com, it's our new website. You can buy our products, lens cleaning solution, anti-fog solution. Everybody's wearing masks right now. Glasses are fogging up. First responders every day in work, factory workers, glasses, anti-fog solutions. In fact, we just launched and we've rolled out over the last few months into our first big box retailer, Walgreens. They're a partner of ours, and you can look out for us for some That's exciting huge. things that are going to be happening yeah. in the near future. So nanomagic.com, look for Nanomagic products on Amazon launching here over the next 30 days and on retail shelves. And then also industrial applications. In fact, Cadillac and Novi is applying one of our applications to every single new Cadillac that's purchased. Incredible. Now, at this point in the show, when I wind it up and say goodbye, I say to people many times as a courtesy, we'd love to follow your story and love to have you back on sometime. I'm going to extend this to you, not as a courtesy, but a value to our audience. You know, what a great story. You're going places, man. There's no doubt in my mind this company is going to be a huge hit because of your leadership, specifically. I met you once before, and I heard, you know, your view on all this, and, and, you, and I was impressed with you then with your command and your confidence, and that comes from, you know, I know you make yourself earn that. Well, you do. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, Jeff, and, yeah. you know, I can't do it alone. We have to build a strong team. I feel like we have a good core team in place. We're hiring new people. We actually have jobs open for 10 new production associates, marketing, IT, sales. So we're just looking to bring good Amazing. people in. And the only way we grow is by good people, too. What a great story. We got to run. But this has been amazing. Love the story. And I know it's headed to great success. Tom Berman, NanoMagic. Love to be here again. Thank you. Thank you very much. You will be. Okay, we'll be back next week again with another great edition of Startup Nation Radio. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.